Popculture Pastor. So the other day I graduated and had a graduation party. Dr. Cody Haviland. Not yet. Still not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> that is false advertisement. Um, but you gifted me two shirts. I did. And hold, hold on. Let's explain. If you don't know Cody, Cody is a fan of just unique t-shirts. Unique t-shirts and unique socks. And socks. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I got gifted socks by a couple other people. So, um, but today I wore one of those shirts uh, to uh, my family's Sunday lunch, and um, they they all read it and they're like, "Yeah, that shirt's right. Kansas is not that bad." <laughs> And then one of my friends who currently lives in Texas and is like, well, it's better than Texas. And um, I'm like, do Tex do people in Texas know that? I, I feel like Texans are pretty proud of their state. Yeah. Well, he's not from Texas. So oh, okay. he's just a transplant to Texas. Yeah. Um, and so that shirt definitely made me, it felt like a Ted Lasso saying like, Oh, it's not that bad. And then yeah. you go on to describe why it's not that bad. Yeah. So I gifted uh, Cody for his graduation from his master's program, a couple t-shirts, one of which was one that just said, Kansas had an outline of state. It's not so bad. <laughs> it's not. And, and like, yeah. So one of the more enjoyable things about Ted Lasso for us, or at least for me, I don't want to speak for Cody, but I assume for Cody too, is the Kansas-ness oh, yeah. that Ted Lasso, the character, brings. Because he is, as Jason Sudeikis is actually from Kansas, so he would know. There are things that, as a Kansan watching this show, you pick up immediately that I feel like being from Kansas is almost like a little wink uh, to someone. Because if you're, if you're not familiar, you wouldn't know. But um, there's just several things he says and talks about where you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he gets us. He does because he is us. Exactly. Us and Jason Sudeikis, pretty much the same guy. Hard to tell where <laughs> Jason begins and then I end. Yeah, <laughs> so talented we all are. Uh, okay, welcome. This is Pop Culture Pastor Watch Alongs. We're here to talk about season three, episode ten of Ted Lasso. Um, I suppose we kind of do this different each week, but we let's, do. Let's let's kind of broad take on the episode, Cody. It's great. You love this episode. <laughs> that, that's where uh, my broad take starts and ends. Yeah, it's great. Well, we talked a little bit of, about this at the end of last week's watch along, where this season seems to have divided uh, a lot of the peoples who who love the show. There seems to be a, a definite camp of they don't like this season as much. They feel like they're rushing some of the storylines while because they're doing a lot of the tertiary characters around them. Mm -hmm. They're paying some attention to them. So like there's there's definitely some people disappointed. And I think as we go through this episode, I will point that out and say, hey, there were some abrupt things that happened in this episode. But I honestly think the things they're focusing on are so are, are telling a deeper story. I feel like there's a through line through all of this that makes sense to handle it the way they're handling it. Yeah, and I'll say that with a lot of series over the years, there are things that happen off camera that we would have loved to have seen. But, like... I mean, literally, this show would have gone on for another two seasons, probably, to get that level of storytelling in. And then you get the drag of, like, when will this end? Yeah. Like, they're stretching. It's a cash grab. <laughs> it's not a cash grab. Um, <clears throat> so this this show starts off with the sports commentators um, and it, it kind of letting us know on some... We, we get let in on some information, which slaps you across the face at the beginning of the episode. I was a little concerned right off the bat when we find out that Nate is no longer with West Ham and that all happens in between shows off camera. Like I was a little like, oh no, what did they do? By the end of the episode, I didn't care that they handled it that way. Oh yeah. 
and it made sense to me. But it is abrupt at the beginning. We find out Nate is not with West Ham in that initial uh, sports, like fake sports show. And then um, we find out it's International Week. Yeah, it is. And why don't we go? We tend to go through by storyline by storyline. So let's do that. But let's start off like maybe we'll start with the least important and make our way to the most important. So let's start off with the team um, in general. The team's on break. The team's on break. And and so the way th- soccer or football works, depending on what part of the world you're from, um, is they have these they have these breaks for international uh, these weeks where they go play with their international teams. If they're selected, it's an honor. Mm-hmm. to be selected to play for your country. And um, I thought one of the more, I mean, it's a throwaway storyline, but one of the, one of the storylines I had the most fun with was the Danny and, and Zoro slash Van, Van Dam storyline, which I found hilarious. <laughs> I, some critics didn't like that, but I thought it was great. Uh, so if I was to be a negative Nancy, which I wasn't um, with this, it would be that it almost feels out of character for Danny, but there is something to be said about being selected to play for one's country and yeah. the pride that uh, people take with it. Um, I mean, even if you look at basketball, because that's the easiest comp for me, uh, LeBron and even Kobe, like their mindsets changed when it came to international play. Yeah. And you thought Kobe was intense before. Wait till he's cussing you out in Spanish <laughs> and uh, like Chechnyan. And like, you're like, how does he know all these languages? He does. Yeah. And he is all about that Mamba mentality. And so I can see Danny transforming into what I'm going to call Mamba mentality. Absolutely. I think that's a good, by the way, that's a great uh, reference to bring up because Jordan was the same way. Mm -hmm. Like you would think that they would look at this as some sort of break, but they didn't. (laughs) No, no, this is serious stuff. And so there was a reviewer out there for a major publication that didn't like it because we don't see Danny being that way to like, say man city's goalie or whatever in the regular games. And um, I don't want to mention any reviewers' names, so I'll just say it's a review. It was the New York Times, anyways. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, did I just did I just out them? I don't think they understand what is happening there. It's different to play for your country. Oh yeah. And I think the point is, is like especially for Mexico. I think like I think you would have to know Mexico, where people. I think generally speaking, the people of Mexico are looked at and and are a lot like Danny. They're kind. They're generous people. And then national football starts. But, you know, so if you're not into soccer and you don't watch CONCACAF, you know, the stuff where United States plays Mexico, United States, Mexico matches are scary, can be bloody. (laughs) Like it's a big deal. It's harsh. And so for me, I got it right off the bat. It was like, oh, Danny's in international mode. Yeah. Now he's playing for Mexico and he's business. (laughs) And I thought that they. I thought that they were trying to make that clear the way he's dressed on the plane. Oh yeah. Where he's come. He's, we haven't seen him dress like that. The whole, the whole show. Uh, the, the scene with the Doritos. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, <laughs> I laughed so hard just because Zoro slash Van Dam is so desperate. And he's like, that's my teammate. That's my, even when he's ignoring him, he's like, that's my teammate. He's trying to like explain it off. And I'm like, oh, man, we've all been there. We've all been <laughs> We have. But then to offer your chips and then for your teammate to crush them and pour them out. <laughs> that was gold. And, uh, yeah, I'm just here to say I disagreed with the New York Times and uh, other reviewers who thought that that was a weird storyline. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Nailed it. Yeah. Um, so, uh there's also a storyline with Sam uh, Edwin Akufu is back. Boo! Yeah, he boy, and he just gets more and more cartoonish, doesn't he? He does. <laughs> um, we find out. Well, first of all, he's just awful, and he likes Chicago style hot dogs way too much. <laughs> Let's see, that was funny. 
That was actually pretty funny. But yeah, we find out that he paid off the Nigerian government, so Sam didn't make his team. Although we, th- I'm pretty sure that was implied when last we saw Edwin yeah. Kufu. I, I'm pretty sure he threatened Sam that he would never play for his country. Yeah. And so I don't think that was a shock, but and I am I I assumed that when we found out early in the episode that he didn't make the team, um, mm. or that he didn't get asked to play for his country. Uh, but uh, Jamie gets asked to play for England, comes off the bench in a kind of a nice moment near the end of the episode where he's wearing Sam's number and honor him. Very touching. Yeah, the Jamie the Jamie's a different person train rolls on. It does. <laughs> Team Tart. Team Tart. And uh, uh, Bumber Catch plays for Switzerland. You're from Switzerland? Yeah, look at me. <laughs> gold. That was comedy gold. Uh, Ted, I love that. So Ted Lasso does this very Kansan thing where um, someone says something that should cause you to ask more questions, but instead you're just like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yep. That's a very Kansas thing to oh. be like. Oh, yep. No, I'm not going to continue to ask you more questions. Like, oh, sure, right. Because if someone says, "Oh, don't I look Swiss?" that should that should cause more questions. Yep, you look Swiss. <laughs> don't know why I asked. <laughs> um, and uh, let's see, Danny Rojas, which we knew, Colin gets selected to play for Wales. Wales, a much smaller country. Um, like as far as I know, it was probably Colin, uh, Christian Bale might have got asked to play. <laughs> Those are like the only two Welch people that come to my mind. <laughs> so, so that's kind of the storyline with the team for the week. Um, very much a backseat to like the major things going on. Oh yeah. Let's talk about, uh, well, let's start off with Keely and Roy. Should we start off with Keely and Roy? If you want to. I, this is the abrupt us. The abrupt part of this is the one I had the most trouble with. Um, because we've been left hanging on this storyline for, for the whole season. And it's abrupt the way it's introduced. In the beginning of episode one of season three, oh, they broke up. Well, okay. It's because he's a coward. And this is the only this is the only one of these storylines where I feel like, ah, this has fumbled a little bit. We get beautiful scenes last week with Roy. The ones in this week seem a little more contrived. Um, Keely seen with her her company getting taken away from her basically. Babs. Yeah. What? Barb. Barb. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Barbara getting her the snow globe is a kind of a going away gift. And, uh, we see Jack has, her company has pulled funding for Keely and it all just kind of happens quick. Now, um, I do think that scene where she finds out was very affecting and I thought she acted it really well. And now you feel bad for calling her a loser like seven times this season. No, no, because I don't. I'm, I'm not calling the actress a loser. I think her character is a loser, and honestly, <laughs> honestly, I think she loses out a little bit. Although, I don't know. She gets a nice little storyline where she gets a scene with May, where they talk about female owning. You know, female that owns their own thing. May and I have existential beef with what? So May quoted Nietzsche. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Mm-mm, that's the wrong father of existentialism to quote there, May. I'm a, Kier- a Kierkegaard guy. Oh. So, yeah, we we have some slight beef, May and I, but I'll get over it. <laughs> I'm glad she didn't quote Kant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we might have had even more words. would have come to blows. Uh, but, you know, so Keeley's. Keely's episode kind of goes in a in a in a decent way. She gets a lot to do this episode. We spend a lot of time with her in her sadness, in her brokenness as she's ignoring texts from Rebecca. And How dare you? Then by the end of the episode, let let's switch over to Roy. Roy gets a nice scene for his, Uncle's Day. Uncle's Day was fun. It was. 
his episode starts off really good and you're thinking oh man we're just gonna keep piling on from last week he's gonna have uh these moments this episode where he as he's getting closer to the side like look we knew they were gonna get back together roy and keely were gonna end up back together it's what we've been working towards the entire season it's been mostly from roy's end uh we've been working towards roy realizing he's an idiot basically um and he is an idiot and a coward. And and he got that speech from Rebecca last week. I mean, that just laid it all out there. But it was the conversation with the teacher where she says stuck. And it was like something's flipped in his mind. It made sense to me. It did make sense. Okay, explain. So if you think Roy is the type of guy... That is so obtuse that he's going to break up with Keely uh, because uh, things aren't like happening as frequently as they were. Like things aren't moving in the same momentum, and he worries that he's not good enough and all these things. That he's stuck in his own self-pity and low self-worth. And Rebecca calls him a coward. And I've been calling him a coward this whole uh, podcast episode so far. Um, that, like... And he he kind of fumbled when he was talking with Keely about uh, her leaked email videos and stuff. Um, that was a big fumble. That was a big fumble. That was a big fumble. Um but, like, so the teacher was flirting with him. Oh, totally. In which she was flirting with him the first time he met with the teacher. Uh, also, super hilarious resolution to that scene. Yes. As she's, like, unwittingly caused something in his brain to, to, to connect. And she thinks she just blew it and calls herself a bad name, and it's hilarious. <laughs> but, like, if he's... So narrow focus, which it seems like, ah, oh, football is life for him, but mm. like not the fun way uh, for Danny. And that uh, he identified that that's why he left uh, Chelsea. Did he play for Chelsea or Man U? Chelsea, I think yeah, he played for yeah. Chelsea. And so he left Chelsea because he knew he didn't want to come off the bench because uh, he was losing it, and so he just quit Chelsea, and that's how he ends up uh, at Richmond. Um, that explains why his relationship, he just quits it, and then something clicks for him that, oh, I can be a mentor, I can be a coach, I can do this and still be involved with the team and still do the thing I love. Mm -hmm. And something ridiculous clicking like that in his mind that, oh, I've been stuck in my own self-doubt and pity and running away. I was stuck, and I need to clean this mess up. Yeah. It made sense to me. I So if you liked the way that they broke up, which I was fine with because both of them aren't super deep people. Yeah, okay. It's very superficial that I could see them saying, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Let's just call it. And yeah. I, so it wasn't super out of character. It just might not have been the storyline most people wanted. Well, right. So I think your average viewer who maybe doesn't get... I think there's... This, has there ever been a show like Ted Lasso where I don't think the average viewer by and large understands what it is they're trying to do with this story they're telling? I think they're in it more. A lot of people are in it for the comedy. Oh, yeah. Which that's the by and large, the biggest one. There's been a lot of complaints because people think it's been more drama based. So those people are, you know, get disappointed when there's more drama. Then there's the people who like the drama, but they want like that soap opera ish type resolution. And, and so like, yeah, they wanted the scene where Roy and Keeley talk through it and find out. We still want to be together, right? Because they want the emotions of that scene. But that's not this. This is not the goal of what it, the story that the Ted Lasso writers are telling. No. And and instead, what you're getting is this kind of deep dive into human relationships. Yes, but not the feelings. 
right? Yeah. It's they're trying to get past the feelings and the importance of the relationship as a whole. Like what what relationships do for the human being with other relationships with other human beings. And why maybe we can't even get away from even we wanted to because we're connected. And so I think there's something deeper going on here that maybe even fans of the show don't really get. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm like you. Roy and Keeley getting back together kind of in a throwaway gag at the end of the episode where Keeley's talking about good for Rebecca, about not just jumping back into something that you've been in the past just to do it because it felt comfortable or whatever. And then Roy rolls out in her robe. Oh, Roy. <laughs> Which, it was a good gag. I thought it was funny, and it was like, look, we knew this was going to happen. You knew they were going to end up back together, and like we said, this this show isn't about the emotional payoff that you're wanting. Um, I love the fact that she's like, I still can't read your handwriting. Yeah. <laughs> and he has to read the letter out loud. Yeah. I love that they made a point of showing his handwriting, which is awful. Loved it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's some good stuff beyond that with Roy, the, the uncle party. The good stuff with Jamie. Oh, yeah. The the uncle party had so many fun moments to <sighs> it. Jamie gives him his old kit from when he was in the World Cup for England in 2014. It's like an emotional scene, but there's enough funny in it to kind of counterbalance it. Yep. When Jamie says that Roy's sister is fit is hilarious <laughs> without missing a beat. He's like, I will cut out your eyes. It's, and you can see the smile on Jamie's face with like, you know, he said that with the intention of riling him up um, and it worked. But yeah, overall I'm kind of okay with the way they handled Roy and Keeley in this episode. If you know, I mean, they've kind of been a smaller part of the story. Anyways, Keeley wise, they're them as a couple. Now, Roy has been a bigger part of the story here in the last couple episodes. So, if anything, I'm leaning towards Keeley being the loser of the episode again. But just because, I, I don't know, maybe not because she does get a significant portion uh, of this episode. She gets a ton. And there's some moving scenes with Barbara. Yeah. <laughs> Barbara. Who continues to be just the weirdest character. The snow globe thing and the rules she has for it being accepting a part of her. the snow globe. Yeah. She has to pay for the snow globe. <laughs> Doesn't count unless I pay for it. But now that I am going to work for you, I must return this and I want my money back. <laughs> She's very much uh, Barbara is very much a Michael Scott character. Where you can see she's got heart in there, but she's so cringy and off putting that it's hard. Oh, Barbara. <laughs> um, okay, so let's move on to Rebecca. So Rebecca gets an interesting storyline this episode uh, that pays off well, I think. Rebecca is almost from the beginning. Well, there's interesting little tidbits there where they're all speculating on what happened with Nate. Yeah. And, and West Ham. And Ted's not good at girl talk. No, <laughs> also a great scene <laughs> with Ted not being good at the gossip, dropping the hot goss. Yes. Um, but uh, as she's talking to him, she gets a call from Rupert, and I about fell out of my chair because we've spent a good portion of these watch-alongs talking about how Rupert is literally the devil. Dave has said it if once he said it a hundred <laughs> times. We've talked about how he's literally playing the part of the devil sitting on Nate's shoulder. And when he calls Rebecca, she goes, speak of the devil, turns the phone so everybody in the audience can see. And there it is, the devil. And I'm like, yes! <laughs> payoff. There was a great payoff there. And um, it's interesting what happens in this episode with her and uh, Rupert in particular. Because Rupert's trying to get her to come listen to Akufu's pitch to, to join a super league in soccer. This is ripped from real headlines, right? They tried to do this. Yeah. And I mean, even if you look at golf. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a new tour that's taken a ton of talent from the PGA. And um, the most recent major was actually won by one of the live 
tour guys. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting, but that's a whole nother deal. Um, but yeah, so m- m- billionaires, because if you're in the Premier League, your team's worth billions. Um, billionaires trying to create their own super soccer league. Um, and Leslie is like, basically, this would remove all the Davids and just have all the Goliaths play each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, the Davids might actually be the more talented ones. Yeah, well, I think they don't, the show doesn't do a great job. So I followed this a little bit when they were you know, when they were uh, whoever was trying to put together this super league of the, the best soccer teams in the world. Like what this does is so the Premier League, like what we've talked about and seen in this show is that they have this system of, you know, clubs can be relegated and clubs can move up. And and basically what would happen is if you take all these great teams away, these smaller clubs never get this chance to play against the top competition. Yeah. And if you've watched any of um, Welcome to Wrexham. Uh, have I you, have not yet. Okay. So, but you know the story yes. where Rob McElhinney and Ryan... Uh, Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. I love that you remembered Rob's name and then... <laughs> Stumble over Ryan Reynolds. Some, my brain is just shot. <laughs> it's always sunny in Philadelphia creator Rob. Yeah. And that but, random Ryan guy. But if you've watched any of that show, it's a good primer on these these English, these British towns, than how much the, the, the football team is just intertwined into their lives. And so all of a sudden, the teams that are good enough We'll get in this league, and Rebecca kind of lays this out in her speech. All of a sudden, you're pricing it out of the range of a lot of the people who, who've grown up with this team. But then some of the other teams that aren't good enough, they never get this chance of ascension into, like, mythical legend, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they never get this chance to... to rise up the ranks and play against the best of the best. And and so Wrexham's a great look at that because that's what this team is doing. They're they're qualifying and moving up after having been relegated for so long. And so um yeah, she goes to this this meeting. There's a lot of funny stuff in there. Khufu is almost cartoonish in in this stuff. But uh what happens it's really interesting because she well, she gives this speech that's very reminiscent of the James Earl Jones speech in Field of Dreams. And if you're a fan of the podcast or the radio pod, you might hear it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things we've talked about before. It's very reminiscent of that, though, in the same way that uh, the James Earl Jones' speech in Field of Dreams and Rebecca's speech in this is she starts talking to these men, these owners, about... How can you do this? This is, she says something that I really want to hit on. And she says, you may own these teams, but they don't belong to us, which I thought was just a great line. It's a great written line. Um, but it, the whole speech is, is this speech about intertwining how sports intertwine with our lives. Uh, and it's a very human thing. Of course, James Earl Jones, speech in field of dreams is very much about how baseball is intertwined with America in American history and football in the UK is probably very much the same way intertwined with people's lives. And so when she does that speech and does that line, it kind of reminded me of the green Bay Packers Mm. because they're not owned by anyone. Yeah. Like it's literally the whole community of green Bay it's owners of the Packers. And so, um, like, when you have a team and you have fans, you literally have, like, an investment group that literally will go out of their way to do anything for the team. Um, within American sports, we've seen uh, certain teams really struggle uh, with growing a fan base after moving, um, especially if you're a football team and you move to Los Angeles, because <laughs> every Chargers and Rams games, 
literally the visiting team's colors are more prominent. Yeah. Um, and the Raiders <clears throat> even suffered uh, moving to Vegas. Like, all the California loyalist people of the Oakland or Los Angeles Raiders, if you go back that far, uh, heartbroken, devastated, or like, well, I'm not going to Vegas to watch these guys. Mm. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, owners don't necessarily look at the impact that what they do, what it has on the, the common everyday people, uh, what it does for the fan base. They just look at the, the finances usually. Yeah. So, so she appeals to the owners in this very specific way of, Hey, you guys love this sport. This sport's intertwined with people's lives. And it's not an uncommon thing even here in America to hear stories about when the Royals won the World Series, the Kansas City Royals, who are our team nearby us, the, when they won in 2015 after being bad for so long. There were stories. Years. There were stories about fathers and sons whose fathers had seen their last World Series win and they're be able to celebrate with their sons who had never seen the Royals be any good. Oh, Royals have been trash most of my life. And so there were all these stories about how this bonding moment happened for fathers and sons and, and friends and people. And so the appeal to that by Rebecca is great. Now, I want to switch it over to the personal appeal she makes with Rupert and what happens with her and Rupert in this episode because... She starts off the episode by labeling him what he is, the devil. But we start to see cracks in that, right? We start to see he goes from the devil, this like supernatural evil, right? To something by the end of the episode we can call, oh, he's just a flawed, broken human. So I think that he, he ends up looking more like a Lucifer figure. In yeah. this episode. Well, the real one, not the cartoony one yes. we, we've yeah, conjured up in our heads. That like, oh, there's qualities that are attractive. Yeah. There's things that would draw you in to Rupert. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, it's going to leave you a broken mess. Yeah. A couple key things I want to hit on as, as it pertains to them. We see Rupert has a new assistant who is not... His normal assistant. Not model-esque. <laughs> she's, she's awkward. Her social skills need work. And um, she's not, yeah, a model, basically. And so I'm, I'm unsure with what they're trying to say, whether this had something to do, whether something, something got outed, and that was maybe why Nate left. Like maybe there was that was part of that, or were they just trying to say that Rupert himself is reacting to what Rebecca told him? Don't mess this up, and he initiated. Although that wouldn't make sense given what we saw last episode. So Trent Krim says in this that he's heard rumblings of right. misconduct, mm -hmm. um, and so um, if that is out and about, it makes sense for him to to move on. But I also wondered if he brought a new assistant because he was trying to get the uh, attention and uh, support of Rebecca. Yeah. And the way that Rebecca and him last talked, it was, I saw you with your assistant. Knock it off. Yeah. So, then um, that's kind of what I want to get at is this episode we see, by the end of the episode, Rebecca has completely gotten past how Rupert has hurt her. She's past it by the end of this episode. It's, it's, she is free of it, and that's great. Um, but there's a couple things that happen. There's that at the, the beginning of, you know, the beginning of that meeting. Then she sees them as boys. And I think that's important for the situation she's in. Um, she's, she's reacting to a text from Keely said they were all little boys once. Mm -hmm. Um, so she's doing that, but more so, I think, then she tells the story about Rupert. You sneaky snake. Sneaking in to Richmond games as a boy. And I think in that moment, we're supposed to understand that Rebecca doesn't see Rupert as the devil anymore. She sees him as this broken boy. Who really loves football. 
Yeah, who really loves football. And we see in Rupert's face as she's telling this story that it's having an emotional reaction. Rupert is acknowledging that she's right in the way he's reacting and that he does love football. And more so, he loves Richmond. So I think that Rupert, like even if Rebecca didn't care about Rupert, that she would at least have the knowledge of if he is on my side, he can sway the rest of the guys to X yeah. this deal because it's going to be bad for so many other people. But I do think that she legitimately does have a caring bone yeah. towards. I think something Rupert. happened. If I, if I can put on my pastor hat, I think she's having, it could be, it may start off that way. If they, she's thinking maybe if I can win Rupert, uh, but that's very much a Rupert way to think. How can I use these, this person to help with these people? But I actually think what happens is, is in seeing him as a boy, in telling the emotional story about his upbringing and how his family situation was and how much he loved Richmond football, all of a sudden she's able to get past the evil Rupert and see the broken Rupert. She sees this brokenness. And in that moment, she can have a genuine affection for someone that's hurt her again. Because once you, once you get past that, it's, it's, it's what we call the process of forgiveness, right? You see the person is not evil, but is broken, that they were broke. And, and in that moment, it's funny Rupert's reaction. Because Rupert has probably gone a long time without feeling genuine care himself. Um, not, nothing against Bex. But I'm guessing their relationship didn't start and formulate on genuine care. They were attracted to each other. They got married. They had a kid. But he's clearly been absent in his role as father and husband. So it was interesting to watch him receive this genuine care from Rebecca in the form of this story told lovingly by Rebecca. And his reaction is broken Rupert to lean in and try to kiss her after everyone's gone. And that's where we see that she has definite closure where she, the boundary, she's got a boundary and she says, no, she backs up, shakes her head. By the way, noticed it wasn't super judgmental and mean. She looks him in the eyes. She shakes her head and, and looks at him. Sadly, she has sympathy and empathy for him, which is another big sign that you have moved past the stage of, um, I just want to hurt this person who hurt me. Um, I forgive this person who is probably just broken and just hurts a lot of people. Um, so with that scene, I thought it was very stereotypical. Because uh, there's always like, oh, estranged lovers now are on the same team. They're going to go in for a kiss, and either it happens or it doesn't. But, I mean, it happens on so many TV shows and movies. And But usually, if they're rejected, it is like a slap. And what are you thinking, yeah. you dirty dog? Um, how could I ever love you again? Uh, and said this is um, non-judgmental. And so, in that way, it was its own original um, showing of it. Although I told my wife, I'm like, they're going to try. He's going to try to kiss her. He's going to try to kiss her. <laughs> well, I think, yes, we see that a lot in shows, but I actually think the way it's handled here, I think this is closure for both of them. And I actually think they both walk away better people from that. Rupert is thinking now about uh, when someone reacts the way Rebecca does, not in anger or judgment, you, you can honestly look to how you've messed up in that situation without shame and, and give a self-evaluation. I actually think we're made to believe maybe that Rupert walks away from that interaction a better person and self-reflective. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, naturally. I mean, that's, that's the rule. But I, I'm, choosing, I'm choosing hope. Um, let's talk about Nate. Nate the Great. Nate spends most of the episode being pretty mopey. Uh, we find him in his, in his apartment uh, with Jade at the beginning. Jade's going off to Poland to screw in light bulbs with her family, which is a hilarious joke, by the way. Played so great. 
because <laughs> she says that and Nate says, huh, that's funny. And she's like, why is that funny? <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I like better than a trapdoor joke. That's a trapdoor joke. It was. Where you laugh at it and you're like, why are you laughing? Because <laughs> I mean, if you didn't know, that has racial uh, racial undertones there. At least cultural. Yeah, cultural undertones. Whatever. It's race, culture, whatever. It's all the same. Thing. National. It really is all the same thing. But um, uh, anyways, Jade leaves and it sends Nate off on kind of like this mission where he waits for the media to not be in front of his home. He sneaks out, sneaks into his parents' house, causes them a lot of alarm as they think someone's breaking in. Uh, but eventually, because he can't sleep at his house, he needs to be at home. And we get this episode of Nate kind of just being very um, sleeping a lot and being sad. Someone who looks like they've are in a depressive moment. Yeah. And you're wondering the whole episode. I'm wondering, where is this going? Uh, by the time he's he's kind of going through the the memory lane thing and he's looking through the pictures, then he picks up the violin. At first, I thought he was going to pick up a home video reel because I had Christmas vacation in my head. Like, because he's up in the attic yeah. crawling it's, around. It's similar, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, shucks. He didn't pick up a video reel. <laughs> I was wanting home family footage of the Shelleys. Nick Muhammad tweeted. Nick Muhammad is the guy that plays uh, Nate. And he actually was the one playing the violin here. This is not some tricky camera work, anything that he's actually this good. First of all, amazing playing of the violin. His wife is the one playing the piano in the background. Ooh. And uh, he's playing Arvo Parts Spiegel im Spiegel, uh, which translate as translates as mirror in mirror. And he says in his tweet that it was all Jason's idea, Jason Sudeikis, that this scene was his idea. Casey Sager tweeted that the violin scene was especially lovely. And she has us recall that we've heard frantic, scratchy violin music when Nate is experiencing anxiety and unpleasant feelings going back to the going back to season two. This is true. So this is what I love about Ted Lasso, though, is there's really these through lines. If you go deep enough through all of this, this is what we in the biz like to call a golden thread. Yes. And so um, what we see here is 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 very cool because he gets this moment as he's he's playing the violin as as a lot of these other scenes we've talked about are playing out. And he's interrupted by. His father, who we know, this has been the source of Nate's brokenness. He's a cranky Gus most of the time. But we get something from his father where we understand his crankiness. Again, what appears at first to be maybe bad or evil in Rupert's case, but bad in Nate's dad's case. We haven't liked Nate's dad. Why is he like this? We're let in on the brokenness. As he says this, has this very eloquent and emotional speech. And I'm not going to lie. I cried like a baby during this scene. Like a baby. And he basically says, "Um, I didn't know how to parent you because you're a genius. You're brilliant. And, And there's something about this that like, for those of you out there that have kids, I felt this in a way where when you discover that your young children have something you didn't give them like right there, when you have kids, there's, there are things that they, that that are clearly from you. Like I'm going to pass on all sorts of terrible things to my children and I can already see some of them in effect. But let me tell you what's really scary when your kids have something that is a talent, a gift from their creator that you didn't give them. And in that moment, when, when Nate's dad is saying this, I, all of that emotion comes and you feel that. And you're like, because like, listen, that's the scariest thing ever. It's the scariest thing ever because you, when you realize you didn't give it to them, you feel a responsibility to foster that. And you're completely inadequate because 
because I didn't give it to him. That's not my gift. That's not my talent. I don't know how to foster this. I need help to figure out how to foster that when you see that in your kids. And that's the crazy thing is that must be a universal feeling for people that have kids. People listen to this who are parents. You must know that that's a thing that happens because I know that experience isn't just mine and it's scary. And so in that moment when his dad is saying those things, it's just like, oh my goodness, this is just uh, heart wrenching. And by the way, everything you've ever wanted to hear from a parent. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds like it might have happened like 30 years too late yeah. for Nate, but yeah. um, but better but, late than never. Yes, absolutely. And it seems to be, we get Nate and Rebecca, maybe even Roy, uh, Sam, maybe even, they're all arriving at this place at the same time, which we've seen the show do this before where you can kind of let go of things these things once you understand that the person is broken and that you can't control that brokenness and you can kind of move through that pain and let the pain go and forgive them like sam sam seems to already be there with a khufu he's just kind of humoring him most of the episode and by the way the scene with his assistant where he does the up high down low too slow thing and he's like don't do this (laughs) hilarious um but yeah, that moment with Nate and his dad leads to another sweet moment at the very end of the episode where Nate shows up through the terrible security at Richmond <laughs> and and does the kit man's job for him and leaves this little note. I'm sorry, the wonder kid for Will, the kit man. And I just thought that was beautiful. It was, but it wasn't the moment we were all wanting. No, I think they're saving that one. Because clearly, Nate's coming back to Richmond. He's going to have that moment with Ted. How, how do you think this all plays out? We, get, we only got two episodes left. Um, Nate struggles all next episode to find a way to talk to Ted, but finally does. Ted has something that pulls him back and... We come to the conclusion. Ted's Kansas bound. You so you're still in the same place. You think this this season ends with Ted going home? Gone, girl, gone. Do you think? Do you think Nate or Beard is the one who, or Nate or Roy is left as the the head coach, the manager? Um, they're really pushing Roy, and so. Uh, It'll be interesting. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I just, the, the, I don't think this was a perfect episode. Um, perfect. I think there were some issues, but it all is glossed over by the last 15 minutes or so, which I just thought were lovely. I just thought they were so well done. And it says, again, this show manages to say, manages, manages to say some deep things without saying it, you know, without having characters talk about it. The deep thing, right? Yeah. They don't have to mansplain us. And, and I just love that about this show. Who's the winner of the episode, Cody? Papa Shelley. That's a good choice. He went from loser and potentially verbal abuser <laughs> to, ah, oh, he has a good heartfelt moment that gets Nate out of his funk. He may have the biggest swing. Oh, yeah. He may have the biggest swing you, in fan judgment. You swing big, and sometimes you strike out, but other times you hit a home run. Yeah. And he hit the home run. Um, Man, I don't know. I guess I'm going to go with you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that. I, I'm going to say Nate and... Nate and Nate's dad. The Shelley family. I I think sometimes it's really, I I love the idea of catharsis through saying the things you need to say. And in that moment, Nate said the things he needed to say to his dad. Remember, we talked about way back in our season two review of Ted Lasso about that Nate explodes on Ted and yells kind of things at Ted that he should be yelling at his dad. 
right? Mm. And so like this moment's been building for a while. So I think they both win. I think Nate wins and Nate's dad win by finally having this conversation. They said, they said, as you said, should have happened a long time ago. 30 plus years. Probably. But sometimes we're human and that doesn't happen. Who's the loser of the episode? Oh, that's a good question. And I'm glad you asked. And if my phone will unlock. I know exactly who I'm saying. Oh, I know exactly who I'm saying once I pull up my notes. And his name is Ted Lasso. Where's Ted in this episode? (laughs) He's there twice. It's like literally gossip talk with Rebecca. And, oh, who's going to play for their country? I think part of the reason you had so many storylines kind of abruptly resolving this episode with two episodes left is you're going to have big Ted talks. Yeah. You're going to have big Ted episodes. The last two episodes, I think. So that'll be rectified. Uh, My loser of the episode is Zorro slash Van Damme who just (laughs) wants to hang with his friend. And his friend is a crazy Danny Rojas who broke Van Damme's nose. I am not your bro. Uh, support. I felt like Van Dam was just like doesn't taking. He's not taking anything seriously, and poor guy gets his nose broke. And and when Danny is back to same old Danny Rojas, and he flinches, he turns. <laughs> oh, he's got some PTSD. Um, that game was so funny. <laughs> what a game! <laughs> and the confusion on his face. Well acted by that guy, by the way. I thought that was brilliant, but. He's the loser of the episode because poor guy. Um, Yeah, it was between Ted and Beard and like, eh, I'm not going to pick on Beard. Yeah, the whole coaching unit, Diamond Dogs minus Roy, whatever, they get kind of Yeah, Leslie and Trent, hardly in it either. We get a funny scene where Roy walks in in his tie-dye shirt and the interaction between Beard and Ted and Trent is hilarious. Where they don't say any any sounds, they're just, huh? hmm, oh, <laughs> that was funny, but yeah, not much to do for them. How many mustaches out of ten you give in this episode? Eight point two five. Oh, nice. I'm gonna give it an eight and a half. I'm a, yeah, it's pretty high for me. I think this was one of. I don't think this is the best episode of the season. I think Amsterdam, the Amsterdam episode, uh, was the best episode. Uh, As an enjoyer me. of the fine arts. The Amsterdam episode was high up there because yeah. I'm all about that Van Gogh or Van Gogh, as the kids say. That's not, no one says it like that. Um, the French do. <laughs> We're not French. Uh, hey, what did you think of the episode? Uh, we love doing this uh, pod where we, you know, follow along a TV show. We're running down to the end on this one. We're going to have to think of a new watch along show. Yeah, we had a suggestion from Geek of the Roundtable, Scotty, but like that's not like in can like episodes being dropped weekly. Like the show's already out, yeah. And so like I don't know if that works or not, and that yeah. would have to be fans talking. Yeah. So think about it. What's coming out soon that you'd like to to see see us do watch alongs on, such as Justified. <laughs> It's I'll not throw the, it out. It's there. not that Cody has a favorite or anything. I don't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just make sure and let us know on our social media posts for this and stay with us and subscribe so you don't miss a pod. We'll see you next time.